You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, come to you to discuss all the things that doctors are talking about in doctor's lounges all over the country. We try to give you the information that you need so that you'll be informed and you can arm yourself with the information that's necessary so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family, for your health care rights. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Go to wwwd the number 4 pcfoundationorg and support us so that we can do this show and do all the other work that we do to fight for your healthcare freedom and to support the doctor-patient relationship, which I pray will continue. Um, so... I'm going to just jump right in. You know, I um, today's show is going to offend some people, and uh, and others are going to listen to this and they're going to say that I'm spot on. But I am going to jump right on the third rail today and take on one of the sacred cows of the left, which is transgender. Now, let me let me back up. So, what did Joe Biden do on his very first day in office? He Did he expedite the COVID vaccinations for the millions of seniors like my father-in-law who can't even get on a list in New Jersey to get a vaccination? A 96-year-old man who can't even get a COVID vaccination? Did Joe Biden do something positive to help people like him? No. Did he stand up to the teachers unions and demand that they go back to work the way that Ronald Reagan stood up to the air traffic controllers and fired them all when they were threatening to go on strike? No, he didn't stand up to the teachers unions either. And schools are still out in so many places of the country and children are being irrevocably harmed by not being in school for um, the last year and a half. Then he must have focused on all of the businesses that are being forced to keep their doors closed by governors in states who are flexing their muscles and trying to tell people that they can't earn a living when other people can go ahead and congregate and do their thing, whether it's tattoo parlors or it is uh, gyms or um, political rallies. So Joe Biden must have helped those businesses, didn't he? No, he didn't do that either. What did he do? Well, he focused on the most important issue facing America right now. The most important issue. And that's transgender rights. That's right. He believes that this is the seminal issue facing our country right now. His very first act as the president was to sign the executive order 
on preventing and combating discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation. Just let that sink in. This was his very first act as president. I have so many questions here, so many thoughts. There's so much to unpack here and so much downstream implications. So let me let me set this up by telling everyone that I am so qualified to talk about transgenderism, probably more than 99.99% of the world, and I'll explain why in a moment. But there is a difference between transgender and transgenderism, just like there's a difference between racial equality and protecting the rights of of people of color and the Black Lives Matter movement. Transgenderism is an entirely different matter, and in fact, it has been absorbed by the radical left as one of their uh, platforms using terminology that people can agree is um, odious to be able to um, to uh, discriminate against people who are transgender. Nobody would agree to that. So glom on to that and and let's use that as a platform to further destabilize our country, which is what Antifa and Black Lives Matter and all of these far-left groups try to do. Their goal is not to make things better. It is to destabilize America, to make our country weak and, and destroy it because we, the United States, represents what they hate place of the rule of law, a place where everyone has an opportunity. They want, the far left does, they want to knock down everything. They want no borders. They want no no law and order. They want no, um, they, they don't want America. We stand for everything that they want to see abolished. And transgender People are being used as a foil to allow the radical left to achieve their goals. And I would commend everybody to read Andy No, that's NGO, his new book about, um, about Antifa. He is the reporter that many people may have seen and heard um, who were covering the riots in Portland for so long. And he lives there, and he uh, um, has been harassed and doxxed and um, threatened, and, and he's written a fantastic book about, um, about Antifa and uh, their attempt to destabilize our country, and tran- transgenderism is a big part of this. So let me go back to why I think that I'm qualified to talk about this. So if you'll, uh, if those of you who listen to this show know that I am a urologist, I'm a pediatric urologist, and I have lived through a time when 
the only gender reassignment was performed um, by people like myself and my colleagues. And this was done on rare occasions in patients who were diagnosed with what was at one point called ambiguous genitalia. Children born and with with genitalia that did not look entirely male or entirely female, and it was uh, at, at, when I was in training, it was termed a medical emergency because parents wanted to know what kind of child they were going to take home from the hospital. And so we would do all kinds of testing, not necessarily any surgery, but all kinds of testing, trying to come up with the best guess about what gender that child should be assigned. And um, there were patients in whom we did gender reassignment surgery, meaning that when they were um, genetically... Um, male, they had an X and a Y chromosome, but they had genitalia that was believed to be unreconstructable or unusable for that patient going forward. It was felt at one time that the patient would be better served by having reconstructed female genitalia and live life as a female with functioning um, external organs, a vagina, and uh, uh, given hormones, and and uh, and had better prospects for a more normal life. Well, as time went on, we learned that there were problems with this, and there was a specialty-wide self-imposed moratorium on gender reassignment. Nowadays, that is very, very, very rarely done. It's very unusual to do a gender reassignment. In fact, I have not participated in a gender reassignment surgery in well over uh, 25 years. Um, I remember when I was in training in San Diego, there would be people who um, uh, there were there were men who were transgender who uh, went to Mexico to get surgery done because it was cheaper um, they it was um, made more available perhaps but I took care of a number of of absolute medical disasters who came across the border having been botched and mutilated by surgeons down in Mexico who were trying to have sex change surgery. Um, So I have a tremendous amount of experience with this issue, and I have a, a tremendous amount of empathy for patients who feel like they are different from their assigned sex. And that's not what we're talking about here at all today. But I feel like it's important for you, the listener, to understand this issue thoroughly to get a background on it, which I'm prepared to do today. The distinction in adults 
is very different than it is in children who had genital surgery because we were trying to um, help parents uh, determine what the best sex of rearing for their children with ambiguous genitalia are. Adults are um, a completely different matter because they have the ability to make their own medical decisions and there are many cases where they um, really are tortured and they don't feel like, men don't feel like men but they feel like women or women don't feel like women they feel like men and um, the uh, this is this is really important to make this distinction, despite the fact that the activists in this movement today will make no distinction about this. In fact, and I'll get into this a little bit later, but they see no problem in allowing children to be able to make up their minds about what they are and to have irreversible treatments to uh, make make them into what they say they are. And this has nothing to do with patients' rights. This has nothing to do with the rights of an individual. This has everything to do with trying to promote an ideology, trying to promote a political agenda, trying to destabilize our American culture. When we use the terminology gender dysphoria or transgender, what we are saying is that that despite the chromosomes being distinctly male or XY or female XX, their brains are discordant or not in sync with this. They feel that they're different than their biological gender. Many of these individuals cross-dress. Others transition with the use of hormones like testosterone for females or testosterone deprivation like removing testicles or the addition of estrogens for males. And then there are those who opt to undergo sex change surgery. And men... And what this means is that men will have their testicles and their penis removed and have a vagina constructed. Women who wish to become men need to have a penis built. They need to have their internal plumbing removed, the uterus, the fallopian tubes, and their ovaries. They need to have a scrotum constructed using their labia um, with implantation of prostheses testicles into the reconstructed scrotum and a penile prosthesis so that they have a workable penis so that they can have sexual relations and breasts can be removed in women who become men or constructed in men who are becoming women accordingly and these individuals require lifelong hormones shots or pellets that are implanted under the skin and need to be changed every six months, but that deliver a small amount of hormone continuously. Um, And make no mistake, I don't want anybody listening to this today to even get the 
um, the impression that I am against this, that I don't support people who want to do this. That's not the case. In fact, um, in my medical practice, we're exploring the possibility right now of trying to see whether or not we can offer these services to people who who want them, who who are desperate for them, because good doctors who can do this should be doing this, not fly by night charlatans and not people who who are going to abandon patients. But so so this has nothing to do with an individual patient's rights. So I want to make that distinction going forward, and I don't want anybody to misconstrue what I'm talking about today. The transgender community has been lumped into an alphabet soup of non-traditional sexual orientation, or the LGBTQ alphabet soup. And I remember a time when there was no LGBTQ, where there was just um, homosexuals, lesbians, and gay. And that's completely different than transgender. And, um, and it's quite different because none of those other groups require a change of their body a modification of one's anatomy or physiology. And in no other group does the rights afforded to that group infringe on the rights of others. And that's not so with transgenderism. And again, you've got to separate transgender from transgenderism. Because when you don't do that, then you are lumped into a group of haters and a group of, of homophobes and, or, or in this case, it's really not homophobes, transphobes. And, um, and, and it is not the case at all. And you need to make that distinction because it is correct and proper to ensure that any individual, homosexual, um, gay, lesbian, every human right is a right that should be afforded to them. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's clear. And when you give those individuals those rights, you're not taking away rights from anybody else. You're just making the playing field equal so that they're not handicapped by their sexual um, uh, uh, inclination, who they decide to love. But when you start to infringe on rights of other people and you decide that one group's rights supersedes another group's rights, then you have a problem. And that's what's happening right now with transgenderism. Um, and, and this, nothing is, is clearer than in sports. If you have a, a patient who is a transgender female, a, a genetic male who is transitioned to female, who has an X and a Y chromosome, they are genetically a male 
no matter how much estrogen you pump into them. So, so that needs to really be called out. So to equate gay rights with transgender rights is disingenuous because calling a genetic male a woman because they say that they are and allowing them to do everything that a genetic female can do is harming every genetic female. Um, And I'm not saying that transgender individuals should not have basic human rights. They should. But I am saying that you can't call an orange an apple just because you say it is. And you can't call a woman a woman when they're a man because they say that they are. You Sometimes you can't have it all. And you have to give up some things to gain other things. And so let's go back to Biden and examine what he just did with his executive order and why he did it. The why he did it is clear. It's because he is not calling the shots. He is really the um, the the reader, the chief reader, and uh, the the chief reader. I guess it's the um, uh, the commander and reader of of the news or the teleprompter because if you watch him when he is on his very infrequent news conferences um or appearances his eyes are moving across the screen just like reading the teleprompter and what he's reading is what the leftists what the people he is who have surrounded him are putting in front of him, whether it is him signing an executive order that they've read or him reading the teleprompter with the information that they decide he needs to be discussing. He's like the Manchurian candidate. He's He has been put there as a figurehead to create the, the, the appearance of this being his agenda. And it's not. It's the agenda of those who are around him. So what did Biden's executive order do? It declared that children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. And all persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. And that's, you know, sounds great. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to discriminate against anybody. But what this order does, if you read between the lines, it relies on the um, Supreme Court 2020 decision of Bostock versus Clayton County that call, that basically relied on the 1964 Civil Rights Act that prohibited an employer from firing an employee based on homosexuality or transgender status. And Justice Neil Gorsuch, writing for the 6-3 majority, took pains to clarify that the decision was limited to employment and had no bearing on sex-segregated bathrooms, locker rooms, or dress code. And this was all regulated under Title IX of the 1972 Education Amendments. Title IX is how we have women's sports now. So the Biden order is far more ambitious 
any school that receives federal funding, including nearly every public high school, must either allow biological boys who self-identify as girls onto girls' sports teams or face administrative action from the Department of Education. So, of course, they're not going to do that. They're going to, they don't want a, a federal agency coming down on them. So, what does this do? Well, I'll tell you what it does. It puts a stake in the heart of female sports. They are over. They're over at the high school level. They're over at the college level. And pretty soon, this will bleed into female professional sports, professional basketball, professional soccer, professional um, MMA. What do you think it would be like to have a guy who now identifies as a woman in the ring with another genetic woman doing MMA. Do you think that that would be a fair fight? What do you think about a guy who is now claiming he's a woman who is in the WNBA who, you know, may have been a fringe NBA player couldn't really make it onto the starting um, 12 of an NBA team, but is pretty darn good, but not good enough for men's sports, and now decides to become a woman. And they that person now dominates the WNBA and sets record after record after record. What does that do? to female sports. Where are the women's rights people in all of this? That's what I want to know. Where are the feminists who who um, came first in terms of human rights and, and fought so hard for women's rights? They are silent in this. We're not hearing a peep out of them. You know, going back to female sports at the high school level. You know, no parent is going to subject their girls to the humiliation and frustration of competing against boys. It's a rigged competition once puberty is complete. And, um, you know, testosterone suppression can't undo the biological advantages that men possess. Men have larger hearts, um, larger lungs, bigger bones, greater bone density, more oxygenated blood, more fast twitch muscle, which makes them um, quicker, and greater muscle mass. And that can't be undone by giving female hormones or taking away testosterone. Once those things happen during puberty, it's a done deal. In Connecticut, two Trans biological females placed one and two in state track and field finals for girls. Neither was a top sprinter as a boy. But as girls, they set record after record. And in the process, they eliminated girls from advancement to nationals, to scholarship opportunities, and other perks. You know, I remember when we used to cry foul in the Olympics 
when the Russians and the East Germans put on the field these women who did not look like women. But now we're saying that it's okay to do this if you're a man who claims to be a woman. The gap is huge. The fastest genetic male in the world, I'm sorry, the fastest genetic female in the world is American sprinter Allison Felix. Her lifetime best for the 400-meter run is 49.26 seconds. Based on 2018 data, nearly 300 high school boys, high school boys in the United States can beat her. So we're talking about something that is um, more than just the rights of of uh, a very very small particular group in 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 our country. We're talking about transformation of our society and destruction of societal norms. Stay with us. I've got a lot more to talk about in the next segment. You're in America's Web Radio in the Doctor's Lounge. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schurz, as we talk about the topics that doctors talk about amongst themselves, such as Medicare, Obamacare, alternative forms of care, and health information technology. Join us every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, we're back in the doctor's lounge today talking about a very sensitive, very difficult subject, which is trying to make the distinction between transgender and transgenderism. I've made taken great effort painstaking efforts to try to point out the difference and why you can be pro transgender um, and support individuals who um, are tortured by their 
their gender that they that they identify with versus what they were brought up as and the movement which is to completely legitimize everything that is um, dysfunctional and tear down norms destabilize um, society and take away rights and that's what I'm much more focused on taking away rights of other individuals when you say that one group's rights supersedes that of another group then that's a problem because somebody is making that decision and why does anybody get to make that decision that's very dangerous that we have people in power who can make that decision where one group's rights supersedes that of another. And when we get to that point, God help us. Katie, bar the door. Because that happened in other societies and other times where one group's rights were, were completely eliminated and they were persecuted and killed. And... Um, God help us if we get to that point. But Biden thinks that this is an important issue because the the uh, people around him um, who are using him as a as a puppet are are being able to achieve their goals which are very supportive of all of the goals that we have seen happening around us over the last two years of anarchy, of um, uh, defunding police, of uh, uh, silencing people with different opinions. And uh, this is this is all part of this same narrative. It's a small part of it, but yet it is it is a, a part of it. So back to transgender. The issue that the left now feels um, it needs to use to um, under the guise of transgenderism, so that they can uh, uh, get. To where they need to get to, where what their achieve their goals. You know, federal funding has been reinstated to guess which group? Planned Parenthood. Yes, that's right. So what is the connection with transgender and Planned Parenthood? You may wonder. Well, Planned Parenthood is now one of the largest providers in the United States of cross-sex hormones like testosterone to females. Now let that sink in for a minute. Abortion is still their bread and butter business, but trans-identifying kids are looked at by Planned Parenthood as cash cows. The abortion business is typically a one-and-done thing. Yeah, maybe there's repeat customers. But the uh, trans-identifying adolescent and young uh, women community is the gift that keeps on giving. These patients are on their books forever. Follow-ups, blood work, group meetings, and hormones... 
And this is huge. This is big business. These are not cheap kinds of treatments. Hormones are extremely expensive. And this now is the major portion of Planned Parenthood's bottom line. In one of the Planned Parenthood offices, which is unidentified because of the whistleblower there, they get one to two new biologically female patients seeking testosterone arriving daily. In larger communities, it's probably more than that. Now, in this particular Planned Parenthood clinic, there were no doctors at the clinic. The nurse practitioners were the professionals with the highest medical training. And this clinic employed a, quote, gender counselor, um, a person who lacked any actual professional credentials or formal training. And after the intake, the information was forwarded to an actual licensed mental health professional to rubber stamp the approval for the patient to begin their transition. So this is a, a, an incredibly important point that needs to be emphasized because these kinds of treatments have significant downstream implications to these patients. When they start getting testosterone, it changes everything. It changes their ability to for their ovaries to work. It suppresses them. So you're basically rendering them infertile, and they can have other unintended consequences from testosterone that have cardiovascular implications, meaning they, it can have an effect on their, on their heart or on the blood vessels in their brain. It could cause hypertension. It can cause a whole array of other problems. So whether a patient received specific treatments at this particular Planned Parenthood Facility like testosterone was decided in this particular um, center by the clinic manager who had no prior medical experience and, in fact, whose prior job before coming to that Planned Parenthood clinic was managing a Wendy's. This This is what we are facing. This is the problem. So there was nothing that was professional about this process at this Planned Parenthood clinic, and um, and the seriousness and the implications of the treatments were never fully considered, never disclosed to the patients, never discussed. They were they they often um, at this particular Planned Parenthood clinic were. Um, they they treated a group of girls who came in together who uh, wanted to uh, go ahead and start testosterone treatment, analogous in many ways to what we remember back happened in the 1970s or the 1980s when a group of girls would go to the mall together and they would go to these places to get their ears pierced. Or what we're seeing right now, you know, in the 2000s, where they'll go to a tattoo parlor and get a tattoo 
you know, they're friends and they get the same little cute little tattoo on the inside of their thigh. Well, that's what they're doing right now at Planned Parenthood clinics all over the country because they are being told that it's okay. This is this is um, not an unusual kind of desire or urge for them to feel this way and maybe they should do something about it. The difference is that girls as young as 14, 14, could come in and get this treatment without the consent of parents. So, this brings me to the last point that I feel needs to be made as a pediatric specialist. And there are activists who believe that children should be able to make up their own minds about what they are. And let me just, again, try to separate my professionalism and what I know is 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 real and and happening from the broad brush that activists want to paint this with. You know, my daughter, when she was in kindergarten, had a girlfriend who, as a as a six year old, knew that she was a boy. She just. She just knew it. She she told everybody that she wasn't a girl. She was a boy. And, you know, and that was something that, uh, you know, went on forever. And um, and the this girl eventually um, she did. She's now 25 and she did transition to become a male. I don't know whether or not she had. um had uh, uh, physical surgery to alter her body because, again, that's very, very complicated, very complex. And anybody who just makes light of that knows nothing. They absolutely are ignorant, worse than ignorant. They're they're woefully ignorant. And um, but but this girl, this little girl, knew she was a boy early on. Today she's goes by a boy's name. She wears her hair short. She dresses as a man. Um, she receives she, uh, testosterone. Um, she has facial hair. Um, but those those patients do do um, exist among us, and they they deserve they deserve the right to be able to make up their minds for themselves and get proper medical treatment to allow them to feel comfortable with themselves. What's not appropriate is for people to support children and minors and encourage them to go ahead and um, act on their feelings because this individual that I shared with you, this example is not the rule, but the exception, because most children, the pediatric psychiatrists and psychologists will tell us, those who are honest about this and who are not in the camp of activism, will tell us that there is a tremendous amount 
of gender confusion during adolescence where boys <clears throat> boys may not feel like boys but may feel like girls or girls may not feel like girls but like boys and they they um go through a period where they have this confusion and the majority of them come out of this and they will um I don't want to say normalize because, again, I don't want to make anybody upset or angry, but they will come out of that period of confusion and arrive at, at their at their eventual um, sex, genetic sex. Now, whether or not their sexual preferences are heterosexual or homosexual, are, are, that's another matter. But they will not have confusion about their body and who they are, and that will reverse. To encourage children to be comfortable and to act on those confused feelings and give them as children or young teens treatments that can be irreversible, and what we're really talking about first is hormones, because I don't know anybody who's done genital-altering surgery on children, but transitioning them with hormones is something that is now being commonly done, and, um, and it is being supported by the activist community. To me, that is child abuse, plain and simple, number one. Number two, patients have rights. Children have rights. Children can assent to treatments. What that means is that as a surgeon, if I have a child who does not want a surgery and will not assent to it I can't do that surgery unless it is medically imperative that they have it it has to be um, it has to put their health or their life at risk for them not to have the surgery in the absence of that um, children teenagers can assent now the age of assent is different in all states. It has to be old enough for a child to understand what's going on. In some states, it's 12. In other states, it's 10. But they have to be able to understand. And um, and in most cases, parents can reason with children, and they can explain to them why a procedure, why a surgery is needed, why it's necessary for them to have it. But parents are ultimately responsible for their children. And parents have rights too. As a parent, you are responsible for your child. If they commit certain crimes, you are held responsible for their actions. So you, as a parent, should be um, able to um, make decisions for them without having some outside activist group 
tell you that you have no right to interfere in their wishes and that they can go ahead and make up their own mind. And that's what's happening right now in so many places with children who are identifying as transgender because they are being taught that this is cool, that this is normal, that this is um, the best thing for them. They don't get a um, another opinion. They don't. They're not allowed to be told um, the other side of this. Um, in many places, when you get the activist community involved, they will. Um, they will seek out restraining orders against parents so that they cannot um, uh, interfere with the actions of their minor children, and they will um, be kept out of the process and um, uh, have to sit back while their children receive hormones to transition to um, the other sex to the sex that they are identifying as. And although you'll hear some of the stories about the patients who are um, feel that they are trapped in the wrong body and they really need this, there are far more anecdotal um, uh, reports, far more stories about individuals who came out of this and became young adults and regretted what they had done and only wished that they would have had the guidance to keep them from going down this road. This is the transgenderism movement. This is what is dangerous for our country. So, why is the Biden administration doing this? Why are they condoning this? Why are they supporting this? The next step in this slippery slope will be when the government attempts to compel healthcare professionals to perform these operations. And you don't think that that's going to happen seriously when you know, the government is moving towards the total control over health care. And how many times have we talked about that on this show? How um, once government controls health care, they make all decisions, whether good or bad. And we focused on what they won't do, what they won't allow to happen, what they won't permit doctors um, doing knee replacements or joint replacements on seniors, um, patients getting expensive cancer treatments because it's felt that the money spent on them for a year or two of life is not worth the money that it would cost them to give those treatments and that money could be better spent doing surgery on illegal aliens who are being granted all medical rights. So in a system 
where those kinds of things can happen, you don't think for a minute that the government would compel doctors to do the kinds of surgeries that we're talking about to alter um, the the uh, the gender. They will, um, of course, compel doctors to do that, and they'll penalize doctors who refuse to do it, just like they penalized the Little Sisters of the Poor who did not want to supply abortive fashions. Um, th- this is the slippery slope, I'm afraid, that we're heading down. And so I'm going to conclude the show today. We've got probably another four or five minutes left on the show. You know, just wanting people to wake up and do some research and try to understand that that taking on a cause, no matter how good it is, if you have a sinister motive behind it, that that good cause can be perverted and those that group, those people can be used by this movement to accomplish what they want, which is ultimately to destroy everything that we know that has worked, that's good, that people have um, come to uh, count on, and um, and this is something that uh, that needs to um, uh, put it. We have to put a stop to this. Um, the rights of 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 the greater um, population cannot be taken away because you're trying to uh, claim that a very small group has rights that supersedes those of everyone else. Everybody's rights are important, and you cannot have people in Washington making the decision that rights are good for some people but not for others. I highly recommend the Andy No book, NGO, um, about Antifa. And this information will be found in that book um, to a small extent. But um, I, would, I would highly um, uh, advise people to uh, go to sites that are not on Google, not on Twitter, and not on Instagram. I know it's hard to find this information. Um, you need to go to a search engine, which is not being suppressed, um, because this is the kind of information that is... Uh, being suppressed by Silicon Valley titans um, uh, like Mark Zuckerberg um, or Jack Dorsey, and they don't want this uh, information that I'm telling you to get out there because this will infuriate people and it will shine a light on what's going on around us today. Um, so, smart, wise up, get smart. And, um, you know, and I, I uh, want everybody to understand that as, as a, a physician who does genital surgery and knows the ins and outs and the problems and the issues, that this is very, very difficult stuff for the average person to understand and to grasp. And it is uh, a minefield. And, and I've, I've, uh, 
try to walk between the minds today without uh, without blowing up, and and uh, hopefully I was able to do that. Um, I am going to. I've run out of things to say today, so uh, you know I I will invite David uh, Moxley, our uh, um, our producer, to. Uh, to weigh in and tell me if if I'm off base or or uh, if I uh, have covered everything appropriately. Well, I, I think no doubt that you've covered it appropriately, Hal. And I, this is just, in my opinion, one more part of a very confused and continually confused administration and left side of the fence uh, to disrupt our our country and uh, you know this is why we'll we'll be starting some new shows that uh, try to uh, bring some of the old ways back and some of the old values back uh, because it's you listen to this which you know, uh, no matter what your belief is, if you go to the Old Testament, it's very clear. And I think that uh, man has overloaded his mind thinking that they can do anything and have it any way. Well, you know, I, I just want to say that I don't want to bring religion into this, and and uh, you know, and I, I'm a religious person, but I don't want to bring that into it. I'm just talking about. A problem that some people face, and it's legitimate, but it's been it's been uh, co opted and corrupted. You know, man is the only species on the planet that um, that uh, is have has confusion about gender. Every other species, there are males and females, and that's how they propagate the species. And man is the only species where that is um, not clear-cut, and it's a problem. And I recognize that as a physician, that the brain in humans is different than it is in any other species, and that's what makes this way more difficult. And, um, and sometimes... Um, sometimes God doesn't get it right, and we see that every day when uh, we see children who are born with all kinds of different kinds of uh, uh, problems. This may be one of those issues where where he just didn't get it completely right, and and I respect that in individuals, but it cannot be uh, usurped by by opportunists who want to make it into a political weapon. So I hope I, cl- I cleared things up today uh, and de- didn't confuse the matter worse or uh, set myself up for, for uh, a lot of uh, harsh criticism. Thank you for being with us today in the Doctor's Lounge. This is America's Web Radio. Come back with us next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.